0: Hey, there he is! There he is! All right, let's hope my dad doesn't listen to this. All right, um, so welcome to this should be episode ten of the Mark's Experience, your favorite uh, political podcast. All right, Bradley, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the boomers out there?
1: (laughs) Well, hello everyone. My name is Bradley Lang, and I am a member of the. Baltimore County Republican Central Committee, and I'm also a member of the Maryland College Republicans and Maryland Young Republicans.
0: Yet Bradley and I have known each other in the political arena for quite some years. we worked on the same political campaigns, have we not?
1: Yes, we have, including your own fathers.
0: Sadly. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you're more conservative than I am, much more, but... It is to be said that mean you both share a hatred of one thing and that is socialism, right?
1: Oh yes, absolutely.
0: I absolutely despise this ideology. Everything about it. And so I figured I'd bring you one here because if you actually listen to the episodes that are coming out, especially the one about Reagan, I go on a very lengthy tirade against communism. Um and and, and that episode is defending is defending Reagan's legacy and why I think it's actually kind of poggers. Um So, Bradley, why White- off the only offset. How do you feel about the whole socialism versus capitalism debate?
1: Well, I, I think that capitalism is one of the, the largest factors in why this country is so great. And I think it's really scary to see these younger generations, the millennials and the Gen Z, starting to trend towards this socialism movement.
0: Yeah, 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 I agree. So, off the bat, before we dive into kind of the history of socialism because obviously i think that's where most of the basis comes from right um let's talk about people that i talk to at our school who are sanders supporters and if you talk about sanders policy so there's kind of two two groups that i talk to there's people who support sanders because of one issue so whether it be his stance on the environment right with things like the green new deal Right. Um. And so they don't actually look at Bernie's other policies. They'll be like, okay, well, he's very liberal environmentally and supports yes. this, this green New Deal sort of idea. Mm-hmm. So we'll support him because of this. Or there's the, I would say the, the majority
1: idea. of his one issue followers tend to be health care.
0: Yeah, yeah. health care or like the environment. I've seen, I've right. seen people. But but then there's the whole eat the rich mentality. And if you yes. listened to the death and taxes episode, I hate the idea of eat the rich. <laughs> I think it's such a such a stupid ideology. And you can get into that more than I will, because I devoted an entire episode to it. And I want to hear your thoughts on it. But specifically, <laughs> but specifically, it's like, it, it seems like a lot of Sanders' policy proposals aren't even things the government can do. They require such drastic societal shifts. Um, like like when I was talking to them about welfare, right? Like I'm like throwing money at welfare, you know, throwing money at poverty, is still poverty. You you have to fix the long-standing systemic problems with it, right? And so, when you catch Sanders supporters with that whole that whole social aspect, that it's not necessarily the government, you know, like 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 it, we're not dealing with the civil rights movement here, you know. It's not like you can just pass legislation. and It's like, oh well, I, I guess, you know, disproportionately African American families are not affluent, right? right. You, you have to you have to talk about the the systemic social changes that the government can't just purely enforce.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And so, oh Jesus! And so, um. And so that there's kind of that. So, so why don't you go into to your, your stance on socialism and why you think it's a dangerous ideology?
1: Well, I, I think first, one thing that people really tend to overlook when it comes to socialism versus capitalism is in capitalism, we have a lot more competition, obviously, just by definition. And when you have all this competition, at least innovation, and with socialism, it really kills that innovation. You you tend to have a lot less uh, invention. You know, people don't come up with new ideas because they're just trying to make that status quo. When it comes to industry, and the, you know, what
0: the yeah, what, what the government says is industry.
1: Right, and you know, people may come up with ideas, but they are. Like, for example, in the Soviet Union, they were afraid to implement those new ideas because failure was not an option. In capitalism, yeah. failure is one of the great parts of it because it leads to greater success.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of like a weird paradox if you think about it with capitalism where, like, if you fail, then inevitably through competition, you're going to make your business better.
1: Right. And, um, it's you know, it's something that, you know, we teach kids at a young age – you know, you try and you fail and you learn from your mistakes. And in socialism, you really kill that idea.
0: Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting because I feel like too many people have died in the vein of like what the Cold War did, because I actually don't think the Cold War was a bloodless war. The Cold War wasn't fought necessarily between the U.S. and Russia, but it was fought in the rice fields of Vietnam. Oh, right. it, was fought, it was fought in the, the the fields of Korea. It was fought in the Middle East.
1: The Canal. Right, and in uh, you know, I have an uncle who fought, who fought in the Battle of Grenada. You know, lots of these small wars that people forget about. It was all part you know, of these, the Cold War.
0: Yeah, it happened because the United States. Now, obviously, there were other factors into it because the United States did want to protect its economic interests. But at the same time, it's like I, I, the, the U.S., so clearly after the Cold, after World War II. You know, there's a reason Churchill looked at what was happening and, and called the Soviet Union's um, you know, takeover of Eastern Europe an Iron Curtain because, you know, there there is no... Too many people have died in Castro's Cuba and you know, in Russia and China. For me, that legitimately justifies socialism. Even outside of its purely... Even outside of the, the flaws in the way that it's written. Um... Like, you know, uh, yeah. Go
1: ahead. So, so one thing people tend to overlook is soci- Both socialism and communism are ideas that were originally thought of by Karl Marx. No relation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I but, hate you.
1: <laughs> but socialism was written to be a transitionary period between capitalism and communism.
0: And it hasn't evolved, by it the way. Was, I hate that argument. It it hasn't evolved. Right. And
1: socialism was never meant to be a standalone. So when people say that socialism is, socialism is not communism, it's just false by definition.
0: It takes you down that road anyway. It's
1: It's I mean, what it was created to do. And socialism was meant to be temporary. So you can't really have a long-term socialist society because it's it will fail it will collapse you
0: know, long term long term socialist societies don't even have a government like by the by the time that communism takes effect and the means of production have been established the i think the idea is that everybody is so morally pure that there is no need for a large federal bureaucracy but i always say that if humans were perfect we wouldn't need government i mean and and so that's kind of like i think the, the great flaw with socialism beyond beyond its purely idealistic view of the world is that humans innately are flawed and i get that people like to use the same argument with capitalism with something like monopolies right which is this idea um and when i talk about capitalism i don't mean like a mixed market is innately capitalism because you still have uh competition right you still have small business startups that's a capitalist idea the idea of rich the rich investing in smaller corporations you know giving money to these experiments whether or not they work it's the same thing that happens in the movie industry when a when a when like columbia picks up the rights to back to the future in the 1980s they don't know if it's going to be a success or not that's a purely capitalistic idea and so socialism it doesn't have that safety net you're just assuming that everybody's morally ambiguous and just you know is is correct and i want to hear your stance on this cuz i hear a lot of the left's arguments being the us has socialist policies like medicare medicaid welfare in public infrastructure, I don't think those are innately socialist policies. But I want to hear your your view. On so that. I,
1: I think social safety nets, you know, things like Medicare, Medicaid, etc., they may be based in loosely socialist ideas, but no, they're not socialist. Um, and when you have when you have a mixed market. It's, it's essentially something called regulation, which yeah. is not socialist. You know, yeah, like... antitrust laws are not socialist. It's essentially setting the ground rules in a capitalist society to...
0: You, you know what I liken it to? I liken it to um, to, like, schools, right? Like, you can have a Catholic school that sets rules... For the way that it conducts its religious classes but it's still a catholic school it's the same thought process with the the idea of regulations mm-hmm. right having regulations and setting the groundwork the backbone for what your economy is going to be you know is not inherently because like i think capitalism's great like like just from the offset uh, capitalism is amazing i guess there are flaws with it, but but that's the point of you can remedy capitalism without destroying the system and that that is something that I don't think the left realizes because there's this whole idea that as capitalism produces great economic wealth, that wealth gets concentrated in the hands of the few. Well, yes and no. But I want to hear your perspectives on that.
1: Well, you know, I think, I think capitalism, along with the entire fabric of the United States, you know, when you look at the Constitution, is it's, it's made with an ideal uh, – form and obviously we're pretty far away from that and we started even further away but we are constantly working our way towards a better society a more equal society and we don't have to destroy the fabric of our country to get to that point
0: yeah like like maybe I don't think people understand how difficult life in socialist countries is I'm not talking—we'll get into Sweden and Denmark later, trust me. I want to bring those up because th- those, are, those, are, those are interesting cases. But I'm just talking, like, Venezuela. You have Bernie Sanders go out. People love to bring up all of Mitt Romney's comments from 40 years ago when Reagan said on the phone with Nixon. So why don't we do the same with Sanders? You know, let's be fair. It's a two-way street. You know me. I supported Trump's impeachment because I think it's a two-way street, but that's a different issue. So let's do the same with Bernie Sanders. Let's, let's look at him praising Fidel Castro. For giving everybody free education and 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 health care what about people lining up to get to get food political opponents being thrown in gulong like uh prisons where they would starve to death where they were overworked where there were effectively government forms of servitude to complete public infrastructure products whereas here in the us the government just goes to a company gives them a bunch of money and says do this um or or like leases the the land out to them or signs a contract with them you know, you have people lining up on the streets, and I don't know. You've thrown anything you want to hear: unsanitary living conditions, um, political instability.
1: Right, and and you got to think when people bring up these countries and they bring up the very few successes that they may have. You got to think: is that really worth it? I mean, you look, you, no, you look at Cuba, and you know, education may be one of their few so-called so-called good things. But... Right. You look at the education system, I mean, they're teaching everything to, to think like for the state as opposed to an individual. You know, so even the best things are not great. And that goes back to a famous quote, and it says capitalism's failures... Are still better than socialism's greatest successes.
0: That's a good one. Wow, that's deep. <laughs> huh. Well, well, let's let's get back to the idea of the the, the European countries because, dear God, <laughs> this is the most common argument from the left. Oh, Sweden, Denmark, Canada, France. So I figured let's let's go country by country, starting off with France because it's the one that I most know the most about because I researched it. First of all, France sucks to live in. This country sucks. In 2017, I think it was 2017, 2017 or 2018, they were still having petroleum oil riots because their socialist government, Macron, who's the head of the French government, decided basically to to it wasn't even the name of the environment. He decided to put restrictions on um, petroleum companies in the name of income and in, in the name to reduce income inequality. Well, it turns out that if you put restrictions on petroleum companies, they can't import the petroleum. <laughs> And so gas prices go up, and then people riot, and then you have a rise in crime rates, and then you have more mass incarceration, which creates other social problems. Wonder why that happens. It's a snowball effect. Dear God, Canada's healthcare system (laughs) sucks. Go into effect on this, Bradley, because I know you know a lot about it.
1: Um, I don't know a ton, but I do know, I know people with family in Canada, and they come across the border to the United States for healthcare. And you hear a lot of stories about the opposite happening, and it, it makes you wonder.
0: I mean, it. I just think that the, the, the stories speak for themselves. Like, I don't think people are lying when they say they go to the equivalent of a government-run patient first and have to wait six hours to get something to get something looked at. When here, they can just get rushed into the right. ER. And in the
1: United Kingdom, there's a similar issue. You know, you you have a you'll have an eighteen-month waiting period. For a basic surgery,
0: and, and and like and like, why why do throughout history the government sucks at administering things? So like, when I talk about healthcare reform, which I think we need, by the way, like a degree of it, you can do it. Which I'm gonna have a healthcare episode, like after this one. I think after like two after this one, I have a guest lined up with somebody in the healthcare industry who agrees mm-hmm. with me, right? And so. You you kind of look at the private industry and you use the government at this this associated state idea, but you don't necessarily you you still have companies doing the brunt of the work because healthcare professional companies know how to administer healthcare. The government doesn't. I I I don't see the the argument like 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 UK healthcare sucks, but specifically go in the detail on the on the the, the Nordic countries because I know these are the big defense from the left.
1: You know, I I'm not an expert on these Nordic countries, but I've heard the argument that they're not really socialists, and they're more just like they're, they're like a high. It's like a high tax society. Yeah,
0: they're a high tax to mixed market economy. So they're basically what we are, but but with no no uh like yeah, tax. it's ninety percent
1: sales tax. Uh, which by the way,
0: which which, which by the way, um yeah yeah so i use the example of denmark the uh, the, the danish uh, prime minister he he went out and said we are not a socialist country socialism has hurt our we were socialism has hurt our economic output so much that we had ha- have had to reform our our land ownership and like there's a speech of him giving this i i, I forget what uh oh, god convention it was i think it, it might have been in front of the 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 EU, but he was talking about like the need for capitalist reforms. So specifically talking about lower lower corporate tax rates, so more startups get invested in. Lower um sorry, it's it's late when we're recording this, my mind is blanking. L- lower uh land land purchasing fees, so you're not taxing rebates excessively high. And, and so what happens is that these countries, you buy right the equivalent of an American price tag. You're paying of that 20 to 40% of that car's value in taxes. You're getting low quality healthcare from the government. A lot of the housing is low quality because the the housing market run by the government, because bureaucracy is so big, Um, like the the housing sucks. Um, And then on top of that, you also have the equivalent of social security, which they're running out of. And so Denmark and these countries that are... Self-contained, don't have the industrial output, so the U.S. has. So their systems of socialism has have forced them to rely on their neighbors for support, which when you're a socialist country, you also tend to be very selfish. And so they're putting tariffs on um, incoming goods. Okay. So what's happening is it's you basically get trapped in this debt cycle to where the, the Nordic countries have incredibly high amounts of debt. And their economy is based, on – and it's different from here because a lot of our debt is accumulated as a result of what the Reagan administration did to end the Cold War. So be it; we don't have to be threatened by nuclear bombshells anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the, the Denmark, but the Danish countries did it exactly by themselves. Um, and and those countries aren't even at the top of the the, the like economic ladder for Europe. The, the the top countries are still Germany, England. Um, France is still up there, but that's because France has adopted more capitalistic reforms in recent years. Right. And, and you, you
1: made me think of another interesting point. And that's a, a lot of these so-called socialist countries are very small. And if you, if you look at,
0: they are. you know, they the,
1: are. the communist manifesto and the original ideals of socialism, and then leading into communism, right. Marx says that socialism and communism cannot happen in a single country. It can only happen if it's a worldwide movement. So it's a worldwide affair. Even for a a supporter of of these movements, you gotta be realistic when and look at the founder of the movement says it won't work in these countries. You have to realize that.
0: And 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 here's here's the thing. Socialists have now gone to the point of labeling themselves as democratic socialists, right? And so one of the big arguments is well, if you attach the word "democratic" to anything, it just undermines everything. Democratic slavery, I guess, is just not slavery. I, I guess, I guess, democratic—you know—democratic um, you know, democratic murder is not murder. Like, well, no, that's called abortion. But I mean, like, when you're when you're talking about um, about democratic socialism, like, I feel like it kind of exists in a vacuum where people assume that you throw the word adjective where you throw the adjective on it. And and everybody's like, oh, what did he do? It's now just a form of socialism that inherently works in. Um, it's it's just a form that inherently works in democratic countries, but at the same time, it, it's like Bernie Sanders 40 years ago was praising the Soviet Union, he was praising uh, Cuba's, uh, he was praising Cuba, he was praising developments that were happening in these communist countries where the experiment always ends the same way in. Um, you know a concentration of power at the top which is funny because it's the opposite of what socialism is supposed to do right um and so for me like just socialists are so idealistic and i've never actually read a history book
1: but they choose or, or you know you always hear the argument that wasn't real socialism that's such a silly oh argument
0: my god okay if it's not real socialism then what is because because the idea of socialism itself, I mentioned this earlier, is completely idealistic. It assumes that every human being is morally ambiguous. It assumes that every yeah. human being, and you agree with this, right? It assumes that every human being is, is, is morally at the same level to where they're not going to abuse their power. And yeah, we see abuses of power here in, in um, America, but it's not necessarily people being thrown in gulags because they dissent. Like, like if you wanted to, Donald Trump, it's not like Donald Trump is rounding out all the Democrats at the House for trying to impeach him, throwing them in a in Siberia right. and just watching. You the know, media. we
1: it's it's why, yeah. you um, know, I did not support impeachment, but you know, it's a it's a che- it's a part of our checks and balance system, which is a beautiful thing.
0: Like it's there, right? It is, it it is there inherently, and and I think that communism. Now, a lot of the arguments against, but like. I think the reason our generation is like I get it. There are legitimate frustrations with the way capitalism is played out in our country. And you can recognize that, right? Like, like you can recognize the problem of income inequality and solve it through conservative means. That's what my second episode is literally all about. Um, which which like like there's this idea specifically with wealth taxes, and to sum up what I said about wealth taxes, where this idea of redistribution of wealth does not work because the government First of all, wealth taxes are really hard to administer because we're at a point in American history where the rich have already accumulated all of their empires. Like, wealth taxes aren't going to do anything because you can't evaluate the anything besides liquidizing Right, assets and it's been like that for purchases. a long time. But, but, like, but like, yeah, European countries drop wealth taxes, and they're socialist countries, and they are the first to admit that they don't work. Well, then what about income taxes? Well, that doesn't affect, that doesn't affect people like Jeff Bezos who don't have a big income. Like, they're not making mm-hmm. money. They have money. It doesn't affect people who are retired, who aren't making money they have money where their only source of money is social security but they're not even using it they're just throwing it in their grandkids savings accounts or college tuitions it 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 just it, it it amazes me that the left refuses to be like with healthcare reform we 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 will ignore the other countries of the world that are westernized that are that are industrialized like we are and and we're going to we're going to look at i mean i mean my god look at china's <laughs> government oh my word china's government for those who don't know, quick history lesson was literally overrun by Mao's communist party at the end of World War II, or around then. Taiwan got established. Taiwan, surprisingly, is now like the second most economically, or third most economically powerful country in Asia. GDP per capita. GDP per capita, by the way. I'm not talking about country GDP, because obviously Taiwan is not going to compare to China, which is the world's largest country in terms of economic output. But standard of living per person, the countries in Asia, last time I checked, they, they go Japan, South Korea, and Taiwan. Tell me what all three of those countries have in common. Tell me what all three of them have in They're common. They're all capitalists. What is their economic system? They're all it's capitalists. We literally we and, built and, and largely
1: Warfare. South Korea. The market.
0: Yeah, South South Korea is amazing, by the way. South Korea is a, is an absolute godsend. And this might just be because I love esports <laughs> and that's like the esports capital. But 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 my god, South Korea is so affluent, it's rich. And they they are so ungodly conservative compared to what we are. Like, they have almost no forms of of, of government welfare at all, Um, which is kind of weird. But, like, you look at China. Well, what are we dealing with now? We're dealing with a virus that because the Chinese government, it's weird because they're, they're communist, but they don't regulate their food markets. So people go out to the unsanitary conditions, and now we're facing a worldwide pandemic. And while I don't think it gives you an excuse to be racist, you know, don't take your anger out on the coronavirus on Chinese or Asian citizens. Take it out on the Chinese government that censored its numbers so we didn't know what we were dealing with which which, which by the way yeah, was confirmed they, by a US and intelligence and support, they're still you know? lying about it. I came out news. and said so we don't actually know what's going on in China nobody's going That's in or out thing. of the country um, <laughs> and, and while I think the Trump administration bears a lot of the blame for what's happening here in the states like it, it's not Trump's fault the Chinese government is just innately corrupt and has been corrupt for 40-50 years um, I mean Mao Mao indirectly killed more people than stalin did because with with the great famine right he he just refused to use the government to help people and this isn't even me saying like oh just go out and give farmers subsidies so they can grow more crops he literally just he, he, he just starved people to death like that doesn't happen here you know maybe you can have i know when romney was running in 2012 one of the big hallmarks of his campaign was as this like progressive conservative right or at least a yeah. more progressive look for the republican party because i guess that's how that's your mentality for beating barack obama is that well if you beat a president who at that time is popular right like you you need to be a more liberal party so mint romney comes out and says we're going to reform capitalism but we're not going to make it a socialist country that i respect might not have agreed with all of his policies because he still supported single-payer health care which i have explained and well explained down the road why i don't necessarily support um, despite me wanting you know me Bradley I, I really want to reduce the struggles of minorities in this country like that's just a big portion of my political views but you could do it in conservative Absolutely. ways you can do it in the ways the Republican Party offers and and you know like maybe teaching people entrepreneurship instead of having economic servitude with welfare which is what Democrats have done in urban cities for six right. years but you know that's, that's Democrats didn't always used to be um, that way it, it, and, yeah that, that's what bugs me it, it's like it's like like, for people who defend welfare, okay, let's look at this few social... If, if we assume that welfare is a socialist outlet, then what has the Democratic Party done with it? They have kept minority voters on welfare by refusing to reform it. Because if the Republicans reform it, and it helps minority groups move up the social ladder, which is what happened in New York when Bloomberg, who at that time was a Republican, was mayor, um, you know, all of a sudden Manhattan becomes developed and, and capitalistic. Instead of like, you know, a porn venue, which is what it was, you know, you know, oh, no, the Democratic Party loses all of its votes. But the Democratic Party has been using socialist programs for 40, 50, 60 years. And crime rates have only gone up. Who would have thought?
1: Well, that's like Ronald Reagan said that the measure of success for welfare isn't how many people that are on it, but how many people are lifted out of it.
0: Look, I legitimately feel like it is the government's role to have a sort of welfare system. I'm not saying to dismantle it. Like, I don't think that you should. Because obviously, we live in a state, like a society where you just can't. But like, at the same time, we don't have a system right now that preaches comprehensive reform. We don't have a system right now that teaches entrepreneurship. Um, I mean, for Christ's sake, like, it's a different story if you're like 40, 50. And you work at McDonald's. Like, I see it. When when I go into work, there are people, you know, younger generation. Like, we tend to have more people who are teenagers working than 40 or 50. But but a lot of those people are in holes that they dug for themselves. They're in holes where they... And it's an unfortunate thing where a lot of the time, people are raised in families where they don't have the economic support they need. And that's where the government steps in. But it's worse because you have... You have people who legitimately need welfare, not getting it, and then people who don't need it getting it. Yeah. Like, like I this is one of the areas where I'm very conservative. One. It's like we have this Mm -hmm. whole Section 8 thing in Baltimore County going on, right? Um, which for those who don't know is basically the the government just gives you free housing, effectively. And so the reason I'm opposed to it is the same reason my father is. Like I, I like his argument a lot. Throwing poor people around doesn't actually fix poverty it's what i was saying earlier there are deep systemic societal problems that we need to educate people on you know how liberals always talk about education (laughs) as the great equalizer which it is which i agree with them education is the great equalizer because it should make even the playing field for people who have resources and people who don't right and it currently is not that's where the left and right can agree Education, the education Absolutely. system is fundamentally flawed. Especially College in our expensive. area. Plus of an issue
1: you know, we have some, we have the highest funded oh, yeah. schools in, in the country in a lot of these jurisdictions, and they have the worst test
0: scores. Kerwin, Kerwin, Mer- the, the one of the reasons I was so opposed to the idea of the Kerwin bill is not just because of tax increases. I could care, I, I for my argument, I threw them out the window. But what does throwing money at schools do? Instead of throwing money and funding schools, why don't we launch research or commissions into, like, how can we actually improve these people's education without necessarily right. throwing money at the same and problem? And a lot of people don't realize... Everything is systemic.
1: You know, probably before you were born and when I was an infant, there was the, the Thornton Commission, which was essentially the old Kerwin. And it, uh, it was a lot of the same things. And it was, it could not be funded. And it was a big reason why we had all these 43 tax hikes under Martin O'Malley in his governorship.
0: And it, it, it just, and like, these are all consequences of the same ideas that socialism preaches, if you think about it. Because socialism is not fixing our deep systemic problems a socialist state will never fix the struggles of the african-american community a socialist state will never fix the struggles of the native the native american community or the hispanic community people who Mm -hmm. i legitimately want to see succeed right groups that i want to see on i want this country to live up to mlk's views i want this country to live up to when martin luther king said that everybody should have equal opportunity He talked about this equal opportunity idea. It's wonderful. It's the driving force behind capitalism. And yet, we continue to defy basic history and logic and say, okay, socialism, whether it be democratic socialism, whether it be purple uh, socialism, whether it be gay socialism, whether it be X, Y, and Z socialism, socialism is socialism. Throwing an adjective onto an innately evil ideology doesn't make it worse. Or does it make it better? Sorry. Right. Um. So you're in college. So how um, how big is the It was in interesting.
1: It's Towson University. It's one of the few universities in Maryland that doesn't have a Democratic Socialists of America organization, which is which is which is surprising to me. Really. That's Although, thousand? while they're lacking the organization, the movement is relatively strong. Um it's it tends to be centered in other organizations you know environmental groups the 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 BSU right hey, and these these one is issue voters, voters tend to be where the socialism movement is is centered along with your, your people who are largely you know uneducated in history and and government operations right.
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to end the episode here because this one went on the longer side, but I think yes, this was absolutely. a good conversation. Thanks for having um, me. Very, very conservative. This was a very cons- – no problem. This You're welcome back anytime. This is a very conservative episode, but I think that this is like a fundamental difference between, you know, the two parties right now. So um, let's just hope for the <laughs> Democrats' sake Biden wins the nomination. Well, he's going to. All but,
1: right. I hope to be back soon. Um, Thank all you. All right.
0: Well, bye, Bradley. Uh,